Hi, and welcome to The Gene Space, where I talk about creativity, writing, music, life in an autistic household, and other random stuff. Today's essay was written after our first significant snowfall of the season, a bit more than half a foot. And after being in several record-setting winters for snowfall, I've lost a lot of the joy that I used to have um, in this kind of weather. Also, these days, I'm the one who's doing the shoveling. I found that often a story or a poem can help me reconnect with a more childlike, uh, innocent appreciation of nature, which led me to the story of the Snow Queen, which is by Hans Christian Andersen. It also got the song I'm Hans Christian Andersen, as sung by Danny Kaye, stuck firmly in my head. As often happens, I got a bunch of different impressions uh, from reading the story than I did as a kid. I hope you enjoy the show. Mother Nature's been changing up her look. Yesterday's brilliant blues and browns have been replaced by cool neutrals. Today's outfit is Park Avenue Matron. Whites, taupes, grays. Even the gaudy crimson of the fire hydrant across the street has been muted to a brick brown. The tree branches bend and tremble under its weight. I hope my friend from choir rehearsal last night is happy today. She loves the snow and was sad that her town was only projected to get a couple of inches today. But the weather people on TV this morning said the totals everywhere are going to be quite a bit bigger than predicted. The snow is heavy, but there's no wind. Maybe there's a way to recapture my long-lost snow delight. The world is quiet, except for when the plows drive by. Noisy mechanical things, breaking the mood. It's Snow Queen weather. By the time I first read Hans Christian Andersen's story of the Snow Queen, at around age nine, I was already primed to see her as a villain. That's what C.S. Lewis made of her in the Narnia stories, the white witch who forced endless winter and no Christmas. On today's reread, I have a different opinion. My favorite part of the story is still the bit at the beginning. A wicked hobgoblin who runs a school invents a magnifying glass. Things viewed through the glass seem distorted and ugly, making the viewer sad. The hobgoblin has great success spreading despair and cynicism all over the earth. But then he decides to fly the glass up to the heavens to take a look at the angels. And the glass slips through his fingers and falls back to earth, breaking into millions of fragments. It's just chance, apparently, that as these fragments float around the atmosphere, they sometimes make their way into people's eyes or hearts. A bit in the heart is the more dangerous and often fatal. Kay and Gerda are childhood friends who love roses, one another, and the stories told by Kay's grandmother. One story is about the Snow Queen, who commands the snow bees. She is the largest of them all and never remains on Earth, but flies up to the dark clouds, Grandma tells the children. Often at midnight, she flies through the streets of the town and looks in at the windows. 
and then the ice freezes on the panes into wonderful shapes that look like flowers and castles. Through no fault of his own, Kay is hit by a double dose, in the eye and in the heart, of the evil mirror fragments. Soon he can't appreciate natural beauty, and he becomes absorbed instead in academic studies, arithmetic, and microscopy. He becomes spiteful towards Gerda. Eventually, he encounters the Snow Queen and is taken to her castle. Gerda sets out to rescue him and has many adventures in doing so. Now, I don't think that the Snow Queen is a villain. She's more guardian than jailer. She helps Kay manage his condition by making him resistant to the cold. She gives him puzzles so that he can play the icy game of reason. She tells him what he needs to do to solve his problem, which is just to spell the word eternity. She even encourages him to try by reminding him that if he succeeds, he'll be his own master. And also, she promises him a set of skates as a reward. But she has other work to do, and he'll have to manage his challenges on his own. I will go and look into the black craters of the tops of burning mountains, Etna and Vesuvius, she tells him. I shall make them look white, which will be good for them and for the lemons and the grapes. So while she's gone, Gerda shows up and rescues Kay. And Gerda and Providence do all the actual work. Reason flees. Innocence is restored. The summer roses beat back snow bees. The cold, empty grandeur of the Snow Queen's palace vanished from their memories like a painful dream, writes Anderson. It's too bad that they forget, in my opinion. Summer beauties are fine, but the Snow Queen is also gorgeous. The first time Kay sees her, before his accident, she is the figure of a woman dressed in garments of white gauze which looked like millions of starry snowflakes linked together. She was alive, and her eyes sparkled like bright stars, but there was neither peace nor rest in their glance. She's making the most of her situation. She's protective as well as destructive, and she gets her work done even when she's feeling a little stressed. That's my take on her. The snow outside continues steady, like a slow-motion waterfall. I listen for hoof-clops and the squeak of sledge-runners on the snow. If the Snow Queen, in her gauze and furs, stopped for me, would I go for a ride? Not knowing the risks or the destination? Yes, yes, I would. Thanks so much for listening. I really enjoyed getting back to Anderson's writings. Um, unlike the Brothers Grimm and people like Andrew Lang, uh, Anderson made up his stories rather than collecting them. And I was a big fan of the Grimm and Lang collections too. I love fairy tales. Anderson can be a little more heavy-handed than I like um, in bringing home the moral of his tales 
And the Snow Queen kind of opposes uh, scientific inquiry and a an innocent appreciation of nature as things that are incompatible, which is kind of weird, and I don't really agree with it. But there's also a bit of a risk in letting readers draw their own conclusions, I suppose. I remember the moral that I took from the story of Hansel and Gretel, which was collected by Grimm, um, when I was a child, was not, don't go wandering in the woods. It was, if you go wandering in the woods, you might get to live in a house made of candy. Which, you know. So, I wonder, uh, what's your favorite fairy tale? I don't know if I have a favorite, but I think the Snow Queen made a big impression on me as a kid, and it's one of my favorites at the moment. You can check out this podcast as a blog on my WordPress page. There's a link in the description box. If you'd like to support this show, that would also be awesome. There's a donations button on the homepage. Until next time, be well.